The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. All right, 9.02 on WGBB, 12.40 a.m. Welcome to Sports Talk New York, hour number two. You listen to Andy Sukoff, hour number one. Good job to him. We're Pete and Faz on Matt Fazelport, joined by my co-host, broadcast partner, Pete Feldman, on this Sunday night, August 8th, 2021. On the other side of the glass, our engineer, Brian Graves, and uh, no shortage of topics to discuss a jam-packed sports weekend. Over the next hour, we'll get into all that and more, taking your calls at 516-623-1240. Before I introduce Pete, I'll give you a formal introduction, Pete. Don't worry. Appreciate that. Uh, Before we jump into everything else, just want to remind everyone you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit the website at WGBBSportsTalk.com, where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. Lastly, if you haven't already, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast, WGBB Sports Talk New York on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, and while we're on social media and pos- podcast information, check us out on Twitter, at Pete and Faz. I'm at Maddie Faz NJ. Did I cover everything? Man, well, I'm, uh, I think I'm ready to tap out already. You, you covered everything, and I think the most important part of everything you just covered was today's date. Because it feels like we spent about a week on the Staten Island Expressway yes, so, just trying to come here today. But yeah. we're happy to be here. We're back on Great Long meal Island. At the, Al- at the local Alpac, we, 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 we got it all covered. It was a delicious meal. Uh, we that got- revived me. That revi- the Staten Island Expressway almost ended me, and the, the Alpac revived Was me. it the Bloomin' Onion, or was it the cheese fries? The house salad. The house salad. <laughs> I did not have the house salad. 516-623-1240. We've got a lot to talk about today, yes. and I think most important, and and it's just gonna it's gonna hurt us to say it. How bad are the New York Metropolitans? Well, the last time we were on Sports Talk New York was June thirteenth. It was a much different set of circumstances uh, during that show. We were, I think, at that point, uh, I was a little worried that the Islanders were going to win the Stanley you were, Cup. Yeah, the Islanders were were on their way to a Stanley the, Cup title. The Mets were not even on my mind. Everything yeah, the, was going great. The Mets were leading by like six or seven games. The Yankees were nowhere to be found in the standings. Everything was just like, just you want to just end the season right then and there. And uh, yeah, things have really taken a dramatic turn for the worse. If, you know, if you're a Mets fan like Pete and I are. Um, much better for the Yankees. So and, one of the uh, things, one of the things that we had said for months, and we said it on here, we said it on our podcast, we said it everywhere we could. Uh, it, it's it's a local sports uh, talk show, so we would have to talk about the Yankees, and we kept saying the same thing: they're boring. There, there's nothing to talk about. They, they bore you to death. They're, they're, it's terrible to watch. You want, you'd rather watch office reruns than a, than a New York Yankee game. And now it's been a total reversal. Yeah. The Yankees are white hot right now. Uh, and, and you can take all the other things with it. The bottom line is, outside of today, they're winning ball games. And on the other side of New York, on the Queens side of things, the New York Mets are pure boredom. They can't buy a hit. 
yeah, they uh, not only are they not winning games, they're not hitting the ball. I mean, just flat out. Like today, if, uh, if a Met fan would know that Zach Wheeler was going to dominate them, and he did exactly that. Two-hit shutout to finish off a series that the Mets needed that game, at least something to salvage it. Now they go from starting in Philly over the weekend, a half game up, to now two and a half out, completely going in the wrong direction, especially you have the Phillies who are also white hot, which is not, you know what I mean, like the Mets, what if they lost six, six and a half games in the standings over the last week or two? I mean, it was just wild how the, the swings of the last two, three weeks or, or so. And it's not getting any easier. They have uh, three games coming up with Washington, which you would think at any other time these are very winnable games, but right now you just don't know with the Mets. After Washington, and I don't remember the exact order off the top of my head, but you got the Dodgers, you got the Giants, you got the Phillies again, you get the Dodgers and the Giants again after that. It is Tough a stretch. it is a treacherous run through August for these Mets. They're looking at it without Francisco Lindor. There is no timetable for when he's coming back. They're looking at it uh, without Jacob DeGrom. There is no timetable for when he's coming back. They're looking at it now after today. Uh, w- w- Javi Baez left the game. Uh, he hurt his side, a rib. I don't remember exactly what it was. looks very similar to the Lindor injury. Uh, they didn't call it an oblique. I don't remember exactly. Hip, what, hip, hip. A hip, I'm sorry. Hip. Uh, he left with a hip injury. You don't know how long he's going to be out for, and we had our disagreements over Javi Baez. On, he got heated on Friday night. Well, I'm not, look, I'm not a Javi Baez fan. I wasn't a Javi Baez fan when he was a Cub. That being said, you need anybody you can possibly get in the lineup right now, anybody that, that can possibly come up with a hit, much less a hit with a man in scoring position. Somebody's got to drive in a run at some point. It's yeah. it's looking brutal for the Mets the right now. The only guy who looked like they were there to fight this weekend, and even especially today, was Brandon Nimmo. That was it, really. I mean, right? I mean, I, I nobody else stands out to me of like who really like brought it. Like looked like you know, like given the stakes of this weekend, that was the guy who looked like he understood it. I, I nobody else in that lineup. I mean, and then I, I do want to bring up, um, you know, we discussed this on our twelve hour ride in today. Um, the uh, <laughs> Pete Alonzo at the game. And I, I love Pete Alonzo. I know he means well. I, I you know, he's like a little kid with baseball. He gets all so he's all into it. But I mean, the Mets have played horrible. They just they just squandered a lead that you know the NL East has been terrible. I heard Andy say it coming into the show. The NL East has been horrible, much like the NFC East was in football. It's a very gettable division. So Mets, the Mets they? they've had every opportunity to extend a lead, you know, be able to withstand the injuries and things they have now. And he's just acting like, believe in us. And don't just believe, no. Just smile and know we've got this. Like, you don't have that track record. You and just that, don't. Like, that, you, I, I appreciate the trying to calm Mets fans down, but you don't, you, you don't have the, you don't have the benefit of doubt. You don't have the track record. Not that, whatsoever. That's a direct quote off of Pete Alonso's Twitter. And one of the things that, that at the very least that tells me is if you are Pete Alonzo or you are, you are any Met or you are anybody in baseball in general, you don't understand the feelings and the emotions of the Met fan. Yeah. Not, there is not one Met fan worth his weight in gold who's going to look at that tweet and say, oh, well, Pete Alonzo's in it. I'm in it too. Let's go Mets. It's only going to anger us more. Yeah, that that pissed me off more. Like that 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 was like that like especially after a loss like that. 
Like, it, it's just a scenario where, like, we, we've talked a lot about this between our podcast, between this show, the whole thing, that the 12-hour ride-in, 12-hour ride-in. If you're winning, especially in New York or New Jersey, whatever, like, everything else is fine. If you're winning, you could literally basically do whatever you want. From that's like extracurricular activity, social media, whatever. Like you literally winning gives you license to essentially do anything. So when this team was rolling, winning the NL East, you know, or leading the NL East, I should say, that's a long way to go. And they had the camaraderie going. They had all the certain the handshakes and this and that. That's great. Everybody was having fun on social media. But if you're you're losing games like this and not even and just not hitting. I mean, like, you just, you've lost all of that. Like, you can't, you can't then try to get all cute with it. You know, like, like the Donnie Stevenson thing. I thought it was silly, but when you're in first place... Didn't matter. It didn't matter. But, like, again, now it's like, okay, now you've had, you've had a, a pitching, a hitting coach fire, Chili Davis. This guy, Quaddlebaum, or whatever his name is. Hugh. Hugh Quaddlebaum. He, uh, they're, they're 24th in the league in hitting now. They've gotten worse somehow. You have the fake Donnie Stevenson thing. Like all that's not cute anymore when you when you're like losing games like this. Like it's it's not. It's, it, not good. it's a totally different vibe, and that tweet is coming from someone who is now over his last twenty something at bats. Pete Alonso can't find his way on base. He can't find his way to getting a hit. Brandon Nimmo, I'll go back to what you you were saying before. Uh, Brandon Nimmo looked like he cared this weekend. He yeah. looked like he knew the Mets were desperate for a win and he was willing to do anything he could to get them that win. That being said, he did not look great in center field over the weekend, uh, but that's not a natural position for him. You come into today, it's a game you need. You abs- you've already lost the series. You gotta salvage something. You gotta get something out of this. He leads the game off with a double and he looked good doing it. He had a strong at bat, ends up on second base to lead off the game. Every Met fan saw it coming. He gets left there at the end of the inning. Does not move one step forward on the base pass. Yeah. Stuck at second. We go to the ninth inning. They've had one, they hadn't had a hit since Brandon Nimmo leading off the game. Brandon Nimmo has a very major league at bat, gets himself on with another hit. Yep. He was the only guy yep. today. He was fighting. He was yes. the only guy fighting. He was the only guy who looked like he cared and looked like this mattered. And I, 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 there's, I can say it till I'm blue in the face. You are right now. You, I, you have I a feel blue it. shirt. You have a. I do have a blue shirt. Yeah, You're right. Shirt, I'm, I match your shirt. Good shirt. Good shirt. It's a cutter and buck. Yeah, it's a big shot. Cutter and buck. Big shot. Must have been expensive. Yeah. I appreciate that. Must have been. <laughs> Did any anybody else care on this team? No. Taiwan uh, Walker uh, was everybody. Dead. They looked like they wanted out of Philly, like, immediately. Like, uh, you just said, that was the sense I got from that team. That, like, they couldn't get on the, whatever, the, the bus or... Whatever they took down there, I think they would take the bus for that. Bus. <laughs> Hopefully they can take the Staten Island yeah. Expressway. Yeah, you know, they tra- they transferred at Rowan University to get down to Philadelphia. <laughs> um, yeah, but they just looked like they wanted that game to be over as as quick as humanly possible. Also, uh, the other another thing I wanted to address in, in terms of social media, and, and I know the, the the Alonzo comment he said after the game, Steve Cohen, who again, this is another thing we've talked about a lot on our shows, is that. This is the, the real test too of this team and this current makeup of owners, manager, coach, GM, etc. Is that you know Steve Cohen is new to this, Luis Rojas second year. Like these guys are like this is a they're being thrown in the fire 
you don't know how those kinds of guys are going to handle this kind of pressure, this kind of spot. And I'll say the thing about Rojas. I know his thing is kind of just keeping everybody calm and loose, but there's a time where you got a little more urgency. And James McCann kind of said that after last night's game. But um, Steve Cohen today, you, you could tell, though, that things are unraveling a little bit when it said, I just visited the players in the clubhouse. They're ready and in a good frame of mind for this game. Well, they got two hit shutout. So, like, I, is there, I understand he's trying to, like, get everybody, you know. Is there a Met fan in the world who is looking at Steve Cohen's Twitter to try and get a pulse of this team? I, not, I'm not. Are I'm you? Not looking for a pulse, but I just, in these situations, less is more. If, when you're losing like this, just, like, like there, there, this is the thing. And, and obviously this is, I know it sounds ironic coming from two people talking about sports, but when you're mired in, in, a, in a rut, they're in a rut right now, they are. Less is more. Just show it on the field. Then you can start talking again and doing on social media and doing all your stuff. But like, get out of the rut, and then we'll we'll go from there. When it comes to owning the Mets, to running the Mets, Steve Cohen has one job, and I'm I'm gonna borrow a quote here from Rashid Wallace from a few years ago. His one job is CTC, cut the check. That's all he's got to do. Nobody wants to hear about him in the clubhouse. Nobody wants yeah. to hear about him talking to the players, trying to get their frame of mind. Nobody cares. Nobody wants yeah. to hear it from Steve Cohen. The only thing that Met fans want to see, because that's what all that is. That is just a, that, that's a, a front to appease Met fans. That's all is, oh, the they've got the right frame of mind. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. The only thing Met fans want to see <laughs> like, are hits. Hits that lead to That'd runs. be like me saying I had the right frame of mind before Outback today. Like I had a, Well, you didn't have the right I, frame of mind. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, no, I, the Outback put you in the right <laughs> frame of mind. Yeah. I, have, I have been with you now today for the last ooh, four and a half oh, hours. Oh, let's get to 10 o'clock. And it's... <laughs> It listen for everybody listening. It has been a rough four and a half hours with yeah. Maddie. Yeah. He I, and and you weren't even driving. Yeah, you, I, the, the poor guy handles traffic worse than anybody. I, I handle traffic. You had you had to you were getting a little aggravated just, there. Uh, I I didn't understand the cause of the first traffic backup. Well, the the music was good. The music was good. You did You're, a great job, Navi. I was just saying there was there was no rhyme or reason for the first traffic. Don't worry about it. I'm the best wheelman in the business. Okay. I, I, thank you for that. You that, were you were in the right frame of mind. I was in the right <laughs> frame of mind. Drive. Where was Steve? Steve Cohen should have been in my car I mean, today. And, and it sucks because I want like. Uh, like I want, I'm very like I appreciate Steve Cohen. I I I think he will ultimately be the right owner for this team. I think he is, but sometimes he just can't get out of his own way. Like, as long as he cuts the check, he's yeah, the right he owner. He just needs to like chill with the social media stuff, like especially when things aren't going well. Like you know what I mean? Like after they didn't sign Kumar Rocker, like he had another. Well, well, should I have to read this one too? Like do I? I think you should, and I I think the Kumar Rocker thing is is another thing that we should be talking about here. Uh, the the New York Mets. He said, "Oh, because well, God, education time, uh, right then and there." St can you? I just stop for a second because as soon, <laughs> if, especially as an owner of a team, as soon as you start your tweet with education time, yeah, like you're already you're turning a, people. Yeah, off. like you're a billionaire. Yeah, like you just like just, just nobody wants to be educated by you. Baseball regarding draft, baseball, and then he's talking about players like their investment. You know, baseball player draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. 
I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return. Like, you sound like Michael Douglas from, like, Wall Street. You have you, you know, have like, just... You've taken the human aspect yeah, out of like, it, just, and you are now referring to players as your investments. And I think at the end of the day, uh, the, the players aren't going to care as no. long as they get paid, but you are going to have certain players who will look at that and be offended by that. And I'm going to give you the name of somebody. Obviously, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. And look... Yeah, at the end of the day, it, Matt, like he he signed Lindor with three hundred forty-one million dollars. Those are the things that ultimately matter. But still, like, just do you think a Marcus Stroman is going to look at that tweet and say, "Well, th- this guy is referring to me as an investment"? Yeah. Marcus Stroman comes across as a guy who yeah. might look at, might take a second look at that. And this is the guy who, despite how great DeGrom has been when he's been in the lineup, yeah. Marcus Stroman has been your best starting pitcher this year. Yeah, he's been the workhorse. Because of the fact he's been the workhorse. He's been there all year, yeah. and he's given you a great season. And he's about to be a free agent. Does Mark? Does a guy like Marcus Stroman read that tweet and say, oh, "Wait, I'm just I'm an investment, or am I a person? Am yeah. I a human being?" And I, we're saying these things. I like Steve Cohen. I like his personality for the most part. I hope he gets the hell off of Twitter. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't need, I don't need him to educate me on the, Education, the benefits yeah. of signing Kumar Rocker yeah. versus not signing less, Kumar Rocker. Less is more. Less is more. Absolutely. When less it comes from an owner, less, less is, is more. more. Especially when your team's not winning. Less is more. Well, every single time. Well, that's exactly where they are because right now. Right now it's too much. It's just too much. And I don't need, again, the, the, and Pete Alonso, like he just, a very a lot of this is very much like reading the room, and, and sometimes you have to understand. All right, things aren't great right now. Like, just take a breath, take a night off, like get him get at him tomorrow. But I mean, leaving Philly like in this scenario they're in right now, you can't. Everybody just needs to stop stop being so chatty. Really, you have to collect yourself. You've got a you, series. You know, you like like you need more than two hits. To have people still to chirp, chirp. You, like, to chirp. Still, you, you need more than two hits. So that's where I'm at. You're you're leaving Philly right now. You have a series with the Nationals, which should be a very winnable series. Yeah, they just gutted their team. God, God forbid they should win a game. God they forbid just, they should they just score a They just gutted their team, and Soto's hurt. So yeah, they should. So you, this is now a point. It, a week ago, I would have looked at this series and said. Win two out of three and just keep moving forward. Yep. Now, now you have to, you have to sweep Washington because of what comes next. Yep. When it's the John and I'll, I'm going to say it again, once again, until I'm blue in the face yeah, the and NL, matching my NL NL West West a, shirt. The, 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 the NL West teams are a gauntlet. The Giants, the Dodgers, and then again with the Giants and the Dodgers, yep. and you got Philly a couple uh, Philly again. This is a murderer's row. Of a schedule that they have come in. The last time we were here, I was talking about 33 games in 31 days. Yeah, you with said the it like you used like a slogan. You like had. I thought you were gonna get a shirt of it made. Oh, you see, I, we always come up with these ideas too late. We should have had a shirt made. Well, now let's make a shirt that says a murderer's row of a schedule is coming up that the Mets have to somehow navigate their way through. And a week ago, two days ago. They could have, three days ago, they could have navigated it while being a first-place team and taken a step back here and there and said, well, 
we're in first place. We can afford to walk into this terrible schedule and and deal with go, what goes along with that. They can't afford that anymore. They have to turn their season around right now. This well, is going to get out of hand quickly. Well, and this is all the product of not taking care of your own business, first of all, and especially against teams that aren't good. The so Pirates, they had a Pirates, the Marlins. Marlins. They had a million games against those two teams in the last few weeks, and didn't didn't horrendous, well. uh, horrendous. You know, that that series down in 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 Miami set the tone for this weekend. To lose three out of four to my to Miami, they were a wounded duck walking into Philly, and and Philly just finished them off. It was unacceptable to lose three out of four to Miami, and you, you, it it killed. They had no momentum going into that. They had a chance to get some momentum behind them, go into Philadelphia um, with a little bit of a, of a streak behind them. Maybe they had won three or four in a row. And and you go into Philadelphia, you've started to turn it around, you're scoring runs, you're hot, you're feeling yeah. good about yourself, and now you now you can take it out on the on the sec at the time second place Philadelphia Phillies yeah. and put a little bit of a gap there in the standings. And they didn't do either of those things. They lost three out of four to Miami, looked terrible look doing it, terrible. and then got swept by the Philadelphia Phillies and somehow looked even worse doing that. Now they find themselves yeah. two and a half games out of a division they have to win. And even in games they've lost in heartbreaking fashion in Philly, like that stadium at least usually wakes up the offense a little bit. You know, usually the offense is, gets going a little bit and hits some home. Outside of that little spur in the ninth inning yesterday, nothing. I mean, just just silence. Well, I'll say this also: we're, we're talking. You're talking about how sometimes that stadium gets them going. One of the one of the things that gets them going in that stadium normally is the amount of Met fans that yeah. show up for games in Philadelphia, and especially Friday and Saturday, they were out in full force yep. and they were loud. They did their part. They did. The Mets did not. Yeah, the, the fans were in the right frame of, of mind. Yes. The team was Maybe not. that's who Steve Cohen was talking about. Maybe he meant them. he was in the Maybe locker he was room trying and saw the Mets fans. Them. Oh, he was going to educate them on why you don't sign Kumar Rocker. Maybe yeah, they're just, investments for him also. Oh, man. It's just, again, this team. But, look, now they're at a crossroads. So they, 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 they couldn't play with prosperity. They, they were hand, you know, they literally have led almost wire to wire. They couldn't hold on to it. So now you're going to see what this team's made of adversity-wise. And see, this is now the test for Luis Roas. And now, unfortunately, you're doing it with, with, a, with a team without your horses, you know, without, without Jacob deGrom, without Lindor, who knows Baez now. Just judging by how things have gone, I'm sure he's not going to be back for a minute. You might be happy about that, but... Well, I, I don't like Javi Baez, but I know, I know, and I know we're kidding around. But for those who didn't listen to the podcast this week, uh, Maddie and I had a very large and loud disagreement. I just said, I know he's not a perfect; he's a flawed player. I understand that, but he had he has some pop. He, he's a great defender, and he gives a little spark. They need anything right now. I would take anything. Well, he was get... giving them nothing, and now he's going to give them, home. and now he's going to give them less. Because just like Degrom, just like Lindor, he's probably going to be out of the lineup. You sound for a like you're bit. educating me. I am educating you. It is it's education time for you and all the other Met fans. You don't sign Kumar Rocker. I, Take the draft. I got to be honest though. I needed to get this 25 minute rant out. Did, do you feel a little bit better? It. I, I feel like I'm getting angrier. Okay. Well, 
we'll, we'll, we'll talk for a few more moments here about baseball. We got right into it. We didn't even get to tease, you know, because that's what they call in the business. You tease things coming up. Zach Rosenblatt. Uh, uh, now who's, who, now who's getting educated. I'm educating you. Zach Rosenblatt, a, a, a friend of the show who's been, who was great when he was on right before the draft. He was spot on. And I think he's one of the best Giants beat writers going at the moment. Uh, he will join us in hopefully the next five to ten minutes. See. Right after the break, we'll uh, yeah, we we'll, should be talking to Zach Rosenblatt. And, uh, and we'll talk. They, the Giants have had a really kind of crazy camp going on. There's a lot happening. There. They they've been all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk to uh, to Zach about first of all the the Royal Rumble that they had, where uh, yeah. Daniel Jones somehow drew number thirty and yet still ended up on the bottom of the pile. <laughs> yeah, lots been going on. I mean. Last year was a, a, a whole screwed up camp and everything. I, they're really made up for it now, and Joe Judge is getting the full camp experience. And three or three or four retirements, including uh, their new yeah. tight end Kelvin. Benjamin. I thought you were going to retire before the show, like <laughs> like Joe Looney. I am. Uh, I, I am ready for retirement. Are you? I'm. I'm exhausted. Huh? You see, I'm like after all this, I'm sweating and. <laughs> This is it's, it's, it's well, been a you long have, half you have hour. A nice cutter and buck golf shirt on. It's it. blue. It matches my face. <laughs> I've been educated. Maddie's been educated. Yeah. I, the just the Mets. They they need the urgency now. Like I mean, there, there's really now it's on. There there's, been, they left themselves with nothing to do. Their backs against the wall. Every cliche you want out there. They need to just perform. That. And it's a it's a typical Met fan. Um, emotion, but uh, for those of you who can't, for some reason, aren't able to feel it when you're listening to us, there has been more emotion in this room over the last 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, than there has been in with the Mets in Philadelphia yeah. all weekend. That and, w- and that was the most disappointing part, was that after that showing in Miami, <laughs> losing three out of four, you know how big that series is in Philly. Like you can wipe away all the the, the nonsense and all the bad from that Miami series in that weekend series. Yes, you know, even if you had salvaged the one game. But I mean, to to lose three games in that manner and then have Zach Wheeler, former pitcher, of course, finish you off in the manner he did, it's really rock bottom. It's rock bottom. This is right. I mean, of the season, this is rock bottom. One of the things that we've always said, and and it's been a term that's been around baseball for a long time, is you have to have a short memory. And the time for the Mets to have that short memory was coming out of that Marlins series and saying, okay, we lost three out of four, but we can make up for it right now. This is the more important series anyway. This is the one we've got to win. Put some. We're still in first place. Yeah. Put some distance between us and the second place team, and they just didn't do it. And it wasn't I don't close. I don't know if it was a, a matter of not having that short memory and still looking back at at how bad you were in the Marlins series and letting that carry over. And how and to be fair, how bad they were in a bunch of series before that. Yep. Going back to the All Star break, maybe even a little before the All Star break, they it, it's they didn't do themselves any favors here. They had the long memory. They looked as if they were looking back on those series, and they let it carry over, and it really it, it, it killed them. No. And that's it. That's really the bottom line and, in this and, whole thing. And they're, and they're they back, were lifeless. And their backs are against the wall now. And uh, 
Yeah, they were about, watching this weekend series was about as enjoyable as it was to be in traffic on the Staten Island Expressway on the way in. Does that, but does that mean though that in the next series is that going to be like their outback? Out oh, okay. Yeah, the, the Washington series will be like their outback. That'll be their game one. Will be their cheese fries. <laughs> Game yeah, two, really <laughs> game two will be there six hours right, of delay. <laughs> All right, nine. You want? You can finish it off if you want. No, no, take it. Nine thirty on WGBB Sports Talk New York. Uh, we're Pete and Faz. We're gonna be coming up. Zach Rosenblatt will be joining us in hopefully just a few minutes. We'll talk some football and some more baseball. Your calls coming up right after this. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. 9.32 on WGBB Sports Talk New York with you till 10 o'clock. We're Pete and Faz. been talking all kinds of things, especially the, uh, the Mets' demise after uh, a tough weekend in Phillies. But we're going to switch gears here for a minute um, and talk some football as training camp has opened up. And uh, it's been a little bit of a royal rumble at the, the Giants camp. We're joined now by our old friend uh, from NJ.com, Zach Rosenblatt. Giants beat reporter has been doing a great job for them. Thank Zach, thanks so much for calling in on a Sunday night. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. How you guys doing? Doing very well. Um, so I, I, I guess we have to start there because we, we, I know it's a few days removed now. But let's just, we'll get into a bunch of the things from camp, but... Give me your best rundown of this brawl fight thing with Daniel Jones ending up at the bottom of the pile. Like, because I know it was a, a portion of the of the practice where they weren't allowing uh, recording. Can you just kind of like give the best description of it? Because I'm dying to hear it from like a first, like an eyewitness account. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I it's one of those. A lot of times when crazy things happen in practice, you kind of look up and you see it at the end. But I. I, I mean, it was the team drill, so we all had our eyes on the field, uh-huh. and like it happened at an angle where like the media could see it. I would say, but yeah, like you were mentioning, the media is not allowed to record during those team drills. So we, even if we had anything on our phone, we wouldn't be allowed to share it, kind of thing. But yeah, so I mean, I'll say it's one of the crazier training camp things I've seen a lot, <laughs> largely because of the Jones part of it. But you know, basically, Xavier McKinney hit Tory Clement a little bit harder than you're supposed to hit your own teammate in training camp, mm-hmm. and Evan Ingram kind of shoved him a little bit. Kind of, you know, kind of the kind of shove that happens all the time on the field, where you just shove a guy to get him out of the way or mm-hmm. whatever. Like I didn't, I didn't really take think it was that that was that big of a deal. And then Logan Ryan kind of comes running out of nowhere and decks Evan Ingram from behind, <laughs> which I would say is the worst thing that happened during that fight. Yeah, and that kind of set sets it off. You have everybody running over. You have a big pile that forms. Somehow Daniel Jones is at the bottom of the pile. All of a sudden, no good. There's an offensive line. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny Wiggins, who, Kenny Wiggins, who I talked to, he said he heard. People yelling that Daniel was at the bottom of the pile, so he ran and pulled him out of there. Uh-huh. So he saved the quarterback. Oh my god! Um, and then, and then, 
after that comes Joe Judge's punishment, which is pretty severe. Yeah, and he just went crazy, right, Judge? Right? Like yeah. He just I mean, he was he screamed for twenty minutes straight. Yeah. More probably set a record for f bombs in one stretch. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and then you had them run gassers, which is basically just running the force the, the length of the field, yeah. and then running back. And they had to do thirty push-ups, and then did another th- set of gassers, thirty more push-ups. Um, and then he yelled at them for like another ten minutes. Uh, it, he was yelling at them so much. Like at one point, the coaches were about to walk over to the to the huddle where he was. And he yelled at them to back off, and stay at the sideline. He just wanted to yell at the players himself. Um, so like just a combination of like everything together was yeah. It was just like an escalation. It uh, sounded like, like a Friday Night Lights night. episode. <laughs> like it sounded like a like just like a whole. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean the players. A lot of the guys have been playing it off like it's just a training camp fight. I, I think it was more than just a train. Usually, a training camp fight. Yeah. Number one is just like a couple guys, and then they get separated or whatever. And number two, it's usually not involving like the leader of the team, which Logan Ryan is making a boneheaded move. <laughs> so like, just a lot of the factors of it is what made it kind of weird. I, I don't think it's like necessarily had any lingering effects. Though I know a couple guys did retire like the next day. Um, and that, I mean, that part of camp is also very strange. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that was definitely an interesting thing that happened. I mean, it's just been a strange camp between, you know, starting with the Kelvin Benjamin stuff and leading into that and three guys, three guys in addition to Benjamin retiring and, and, you know, just some injuries and, yeah. and the weird stuff with Carries Tony and Kenny Galladay. And like, so it's just been, it's been an eventful camp for me to say the least. <laughs> Uh, Zach, Pete, uh, Pete Feldman here, and I, I want to stick for a second on this, uh, on the Kelvin Benjamin thing. Now that you've brought it up, is there a, what's your, what's your take on, on what happened there? Well, I, I actually w- talked to Kelvin Benjamin, so I can tell you what happened there. Um, yeah. Uh, so basically, I mean, he, he kind of like, it was kind of bizarre how honest he was with me. So what he told me was essentially that, you know, so, so first of all, we saw this happening the first day of practice where they go out for warm ups. And all of a sudden, Joe Judge is talking to Kelvin Benjamin for like an extended period. He pulls him aside, and then Dave Gettleman comes over, and they're both talking to him. He starts getting animated, and then Kelvin Benjamin rips off his helmet and walks off the field, and Dave Gettleman trails after him. And then as it turns out, they asked Kel- – Kelvin Benjamin was 265 pounds in the spring, and they asked him to get down to 251 pounds, which is a pretty big drop. But instead of losing any weight, he gained three pounds. Uh-huh. So – he wound up being 17 pounds overweight, technically, and Joe Judge was like, we're going to fine you for that. Uh, and he was like, no, nah, I'm good, essentially, with the conversation. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting choice to, uh, you know, when you're told one thing by a coach and do the complete opposite and then to be like, yeah, but I, I've played at this weight forever, so I want to keep doing that. I don't think that's how you do it. But, you know, I, it, maybe Judge could have communicated things better to him or something, but that, that was definitely a very strange way to start camp, and uh, it was <laughs> It was just a wild story, just because Kevin yeah. Benjamin's honesty about why he got cut, where you where you hear his reason, you're like, I mean, it kind of makes sense why it didn't work out here. Well, so yeah, so then because yeah, you had the the because I've been trying to almost like there was a reason why one of the reasons too why I wanted to bring you on to, just in in addition to just talking giant stuff because there were all these things there, there was the Benjamin thing there was the fight there uh, was some of these other odd things the retirements um, there was also the thing with. Jason Garrett making you guys call him oh, yeah. coach. What was that all about? Too? <laughs> like, there, so it seems like that, every that, other minute that, I read that, news, there's just these yeah, yeah, like, yeah. bizarre. That, that's my point about it being weird. It's like yeah. a lot of it, even like non-football stuff, which is like yeah. even crazier. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that was a little that, that was somewhat of a misunderstanding. I still think Jason Garrett deserves a little bit of criticism for the way he like approached it. But so I think the inter- my interpretation of what happened was 
you like said how so uh it, it was great to, it's great to talk to you guys or great seeing you guys on his way out and there was like silence and he's like you know we usually say coach have a good one or whatever so he's kind of being condescending and uh-huh. um in in that way so i mean it, it's not ultimately it's, it got way overblown obviously and the whole coach discussion is just ridiculous like who cares if we don't call them coach? Yeah. They're not, they're not doctors. Like, there's a lot of, I've had a lot of fans get pushed back and like, would you call your doctor a doctor? Well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm the coach and the doctor are two different things. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, so yeah. it got overblown. I don't think he was telling us to call him coach, but he was being a little condescending to us, I would say. Okay. So Zach, the, uh, the last time we spoke, uh, you had mentioned that the, uh, the, the coaching staff, the front office, uh, looked at the offensive line on this team as, as a strength, which was kind of going the other way, uh, from the way the, uh, fans and a lot of beat writers and pretty much everybody else looks at them. Do they still look at this offensive line as a strength of the team? I mean, they would probably tell you that because they think they have a good poker face, but I mean, I, especially based on the last few practices, it's been an issue, especially with the depth, but you know, I don't think they can look at a guy like Will Hernandez who, Struggled before he was even benched last year, and then they moved him to a new position this offseason, didn't really bring in any competition. And he struggled. You know, he had a false start the other day, and Judge got mad, so he pulled him out and threw Nate Solder in at right guard. And Nate Solder's never played guard in his life. So I, they definitely have depth issues right now, especially after Joe Looney and Zach Fulton retired out of the blue. Uh, they really need to sign somebody they haven't yet as of today, which is a little surprising to me because they're going to be back out practicing tomorrow, and they have a preseason game coming up uh, on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean – they need these offensive linemen to take a leap. It's still a training camp. You know, there's not like, you know, the quarterback can't get hit. And, like, it's not complete, you know, full-on tackle, contact, all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I would say, you know, I, I'm, I would be concerned based on what we've seen so far. You know, maybe they have a few pieces in there that you can like, like Andrew Thomas and Nick Gates. Um, but the rest of the group, uh, which was the concern, left guard, right guard, right tackle, uh, I think there's still a lot to be desired there. I mean, we'll really see how we can – I think the preseason is going to be huge for these guys. I imagine they'll get a decent amount of snaps, maybe not Andrew Thomas, but the other guys. So um, it, it is early, too early to like I would say panic. But like like you said, like we went into this offseason thinking it was their biggest weakness. They didn't add anybody. They actually subtracted Kevin Zeitler, who was their best, and now they're not playing well. So you you wonder if they actually are making strides or not. So they can't really afford to start as slow as they did last year. I would say. Yeah, and you, exactly, you have a, a group that hasn't played a whole heck of a lot together. You need Daniel Jones to take that next step this year, and clearly, you know, they are, whether you want to call it being stubborn or, you know, or just like resolute in, in their assessments of their own guys, um, you know, they, they, they really can't afford much of, you know, any fumbling around here. Um, but again, but it is, the offensive line is integral to Daniel Jones. So I just want to get, like, because last year was such a weird camp. This is weird for different reasons for things going on, but last year obviously with COVID. Just what is your assessment of Daniel Jones year three? I mean, is he, like, no doubt in charge of this team? Like, like do, do, do the, does the team follow him? Like, what's, like, you know, just what do you see just in terms of how the players respond to him? Like, how he runs things? I mean, is he, like, the unquestioned guy in charge? Or, you know, like, how does that all look? You know, I think he really tried to take charge this offseason. You know, he, he saw him gathering a lot of guys up. Yeah. He threw, he met up with Kenny Galladay, you know, even just one-on-one a few times. And then he brought everybody out to Arizona. And so I think he's was making all the right moves. It's hard, it's hard to tell in training camp with stuff like that. 
I don't think he's like the same sort of vocal leader that like you would normally you know yeah. expect at the quarterback. He, he, by his nature, he's a lead by example guy, and in, in that sense, you know, I don't think he's had a great camp. I think I would say he's had more bad than good practices. There were some where he was almost perfect, and he's made some really impressive throws. But I would say overall, he's probably you know not shown that he's you know ready to take the leap yet, and what they need him to do. Um, and again, that that'll come down to. You know, first he's building timing with some new guys. Kenny Galladay's not out there, which is an issue because uh, he's dealing with a hamstring. And, you know, Kadarius Tony has been in and out of there and after dealing with COVID and, and all that. So, uh, and Kyle Rudolph hasn't been out there at all. So, you know, a lot of these new guys that they have yet, yeah. they're getting a chance to work on timing with, which is a concern. And then, you know, you just need to see him be more consistent and make those big plays more frequently and, and all that. And uh, I am very curious to see how much they do play him in the preseason because uh, we, we haven't really seen – how Joe Judge approaches it. Because there's some coaches that like yeah. playing their guys, getting them reps, and there's some that like resting them completely. So that, that's one thing I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out about, how Joe Judge approaches this. Uh, speaking of Kenny Galladay, is there any update on him? Uh, when should we see him? Anything at all? Uh, w- what I had heard um, was that they were probably looking at a couple weeks before he's back out there on the practice field. I wouldn't anticipate – he. Pr- I would – Probably surprised if he played in the preseason, uh, but if, if he could be back on the practice field, maybe by the time they're in Cleveland for the joint practices or the week after that in New England. But I, I don't think they're concerned necessarily. Hamstrings are always weird, you know; they linger sometimes, and you think you're good, and then it comes back. And you know, Kenny Galladay has had some hamstring issues in his career, so in that sense, you should keep it in the back of your mind. But, but from what I've heard, I don't think the Giants are necessarily concerned as of right now. So, and we've obviously covered some of the weird stuff that not necessarily football stuff. Uh, the offensive line kind of conundrum, some of the negative stuff, some of the injury stuff. Who has looked great so far or good so far? What, what are, who are some of the standouts that you've seen so far in camp? Well, I'd say one thing that is clear is that this secondary is going to be very good. Um, it has mm-hmm. depth, it has talent at the top. James Bradbury has been looking as good as he did last year. Good. <laughs> you can see some of the athleticism with the Dory and that they can, you can get a little more creative when they have a better corner on that side. The safeties are going to be pretty good. Um, a guy, a guy that stood out as Rodarius Williams, his six-round pick, uh, Greedy Williams, his brother from the Browns, and he, he's played with the first team the last couple of days because the Dory's been getting rest, mm-hmm. uh, and he's looked really good. Um, so I, I'd say the secondary like should be, you know, that's a really positive thing. Leonard Williams has looked pretty dominant. He's been owning this offensive line. Um, yeah. And you know, at, at running back, I think Corey Clement has has been pretty interesting. I think a lot of these guys that are battling for like the fourth and fifth receiver spot, John Ross, C.J. Board. Um, David Sills, like those guys have really been standouts, and that's, it's going to be hard for them to figure out who to cut out of that group. So they they have a lot of weapons at receiver, and their secondary is really good. I think those are like two of the bigger takeaways you can have right now. Uh, you mentioned Corey Clement there. Uh, is there any update? Uh, should we be seeing Saquon Barkley or hearing his name anytime soon? It's a good question. Um, they, they're definitely taking it slow, and they, they keep saying that, and they, I think they really mean it. We see him out there off to the side a lot. You know, he seems to be cutting and moving and, you know, jumping pretty well. Uh, I think it's something like, it's been like something like nine or ten months since he had the injury at this point, or close to a year actually, because I guess he got it in September, so, uh, 11 months. Um, so, I, I, you know, at this point I'd be surprised if he didn't play in week one, but, you know, we have to see him on the practice field first, so until he actually gets out there and is even a limited practice participant, it's hard to predict, but, you know, my, my gut has always said that he's back out practicing during the Browns week, uh, that I mentioned where they're going to be practicing in Cleveland. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they keep, you know, really slow playing it. 
they, there's no, they don't want to rush it. There's no reason to. They, you know, if he does, if he can't be a full go in week one or week two, fine. But I, I still think he's going to be active in week one. Yeah, and and Zach, uh, you have now had eyes on a Joe Judge training camp for for, for you know little over whatever week two two weeks here. Um, again, after last year's being so such a bizarre situation. What is your takeaway just from watching how he runs things in, in camp? I mean, like, what what are you noticing? What are you seeing? Like, what what, what are some of the takeaways you have from that? You know, one one thing I've told a few people and I've talked about with other beat writers that I just find really interesting is that he runs a very efficient practice. Like, there's no wasted moments. Yeah. I can see, you know, you can kind of see why you know a veteran uh, maybe wouldn't enjoy these camps because they're 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 always moving. They don't. You know, they don't really like, there's not a lot of rest going. They, they do let veterans get rest at times. I think that kind of part of it's overblown. Like they, they gave rest days to a bunch of guys, but like, like for example, a lot of times they'll have team drills where they have the first team going on one field and they have all the backups going in the other field, which I never really seen before, but it kind of makes sense where you're, you're getting your backups a lot more reps by doing that. So you always have, you know, every, there's always somebody out there throwing. There's always somebody out there catching. There's always somebody out there blocking. Like they, they always, are just moving and they move really efficiently and everybody knows where they need to be. So I, I think he really runs a smooth, quick, you know, busy practice, which yeah. I, I can see why it'd be exhausting and all that. But I, I it, it's kind of like that almost, maybe not the same, but like a Chip Kelly type thing where they, they he figured out how to okay. maximize practice time. Yeah. And well, it's interesting because he, and I, I just heard his interview that he did a few weeks back with Sean McVay, um, uh, on that podcast, and and he talked a lot about that. That he that's you know he studied that from Saban and Belichick about the efficiency and how well run the practices are. So it's interesting that you 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 mentioned that because that he seems to be like fixated on trying to accomplish that. So uh, you know it's, it's, that's an interesting takeaway. Yeah, and and I think you know if you look, you know he got a lot of flack for the way he practices those guys last year, but. You know, a couple of veterans towards the end of the year, I think it was either Jabril or Peppers or Sterling Shepard maybe, said something along the lines of they noticed like late in games. They oh, yeah, Peppers said that. Were yeah. Huffing, and, huffing yeah. and puffing, and, yep. and they, they were kind of not tired. So it kind of, that judge, you know, judge has a purpose for everything. Might, everybody might not agree with what he does. Maybe it doesn't work in the end. But like there's a reason why he does all this stuff. And at the end of the year, you know, I mean, maybe a lot of guys get hurt because of this stuff. I mean, that would have to be something to be looked into. It's very possible. But for everyone that sticks around, you know, at the end of the year, they're in good shape. And other guys who aren't doing this maybe aren't. Um, and do, do you think, and just in closing, is there anything, again, any other takeaways that we didn't mention or any, like, lingering questions that you have about this team heading into, you know, the, the next week of, of training camp here? Like, what, what are you kind of thinking about on the horizon? I mean, one thing, they have a lot of guys that are hurt right now and banged up. You know, they're, they're, they still haven't seen Kyle Rudolph out there. And all of a sudden, they don't have a lot of depth at tight end because Levine Toyello, which got lost for the year. So, yep. you know, they really only have two guys that they trust in Evan Ingram and Caden Smith. And so I'm curious, you know, when, when or if Rudolph ever gets out there. And then an outside linebacker, they're down to Nico Lalos, Cam Brown, uh, these Ojolari, and, uh, like a Fadio Denik Bow as their outside linebackers. And they've invested in all these other guys. And so I, I'm just curious to see, like, which of these guys have more serious injuries than they're letting on, when we'll see them, like, and then we, then you, it's kind of hard to predict, like, what the depth chart even looks like at this point, because there's so many guys are out, especially in, in that, like, position area. So, that, that's one thing I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll get a better idea of who they like, who's hurt, who's healthy, who might be sticking around, who might be not. And can, the, the fun part about this time of the year, especially once we get to actually evaluate during preseason games, is just figuring out the, which bubble players will finally make the, the team. 
definitely. And yeah, hopefully this team gets healthier quickly and uh, from Saquon on down for sure. All right, Zach, thank you so much for jumping on for a few minutes. Really do appreciate it, man. Great job. Seriously, you did a great job on the beat. You were spot on with the draft analysis a few months back, and uh, we definitely hope to talk to you throughout the season if we can. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm happy to come on any time. Let me know. All right, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Thanks a lot, man. That's Zach Rosenblatt from uh, NJ.com, Giants beat writer, uh, who really, I, I think... I think he does as good of a job as anybody. That's a grind, you know. You have to, you hang out at all the practices. You you go to the game. Like it's a it's a grind of a job. But but it's cool. It's interesting. It's it's not not an easy gig for sure. But uh, Zach does a good job with it. He, it. he picks up some like some good stuff in a short time. Uh, he's really proven himself yes. to be one of the better ones on the beat yes. in that business. Uh, like, like you said at the end of that. When we had Zach on uh, right before the yep. draft, he told you exactly what was going through the Giants' heads. If the Eagles didn't jump the Giants, it would have been Devontae Smith for sure. And they he took had Aziz, Aziz Ojolari, which reminded me yeah, at the end. He had it uh, uh, 100% yep. spot on. He told us, he told everybody before the draft that they were not looking to take yep. an offensive lineman. When everybody, including myself, and I believe including you at some point also, uh, thought they, they would and they should take an offensive lineman somewhere in that draft. Uh, he told you it wasn't going to happen. It didn't happen. Uh, so I, I don't know that there's yeah. really anybody that has better intel on what's no. going he, on he, over he, there than, than Zach does. Yeah, he, he said that that, I mean, they, again, I'm, ner- I'm I gotta admit, I'm nervous about the line because it, I still think there are holes there and now that they've had some of these retirements, but, I mean, it sounds like a stubborn kind of thing that they believe in their own in-house guys, and they're going to war with it. I don't know. I, I hope they're not just – I hope they're scouring out to see what, what else is out there because, uh, yeah, this is a big year for Jones, and they can't afford another, like, mediocre, inconsistent line like this. Uh, 516-623-1240 to call in. Uh, one of the things that we have said in the past uh, about Daniel Jones and coming into this season was, okay, year one, rookie year, uh, you're kind of you're, you're navigating the waters, you're, you're yep. figuring out how you're going to take over uh, for a franchise icon like Eli Manning was and is a franchise icon. Year two was kind of, uh, I shouldn't say kind of, was a very different kind of year. No training camp, going in with a new head coach, you have a second year player trying to learn a new offense. Uh, it's, it, it, it's buck up time for Daniel Jones here. Uh, yep. if he's going to make the leap, now's the time he's got to do it. And Zach made me a little nervous when yeah. he's talking about some of the practices. Bad, bad practices. Um, you know, you got receivers or Saquon's, like there's just, I, 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 they're not building any cohesion either with the, the first team unit. I mean, uh, Galladay out, out, Barkley out, uh, Shane Wine is a, was hurt. Is a revolving door. I mean, just uh, yeah. I just I, I actually hope this week. I mean, I know we we're kind of goofing around about the Royal Rumble and everything, but I really hope this week is a much calmer. Like, I don't want to hear all kinds of like hearing a lot of stories out of training camp is not necessarily a good thing. No, you I, know I mean, like it's, you know, I was saying less is more. Especially training camp, because usually it's like injuries or like stupid like fights or whatever. So, like, I, I just don't want to hear that much negativity. 
So we will be back here next week on no, WGBB. Uh, 9 o'clock again. Can we get a Sunday. police escort down the uh, Staten Island Expressway? Oh, Is there anybody who can help us out with that? Oh, no, that would be terrific. Be so good. But when we are on here next week, one of the greatest things that could possibly happen for us and for any other giant fan out there is that we just have nothing to say about yeah, them. Yeah, like there was almost too much for week one of training. Oh, game, man. Right? Too much. Too much. A 90-man brawl uh, with it, your quarterback. Injuries, man. retirements. Oh. Oh. You're, like you just said, the quarterback on the bottom of, the, of a 90-man yeah. pile. I'm stressed out from sports. Can you imagine if there was a 90-man pile on, on the Staten Island Expressway? There was. I think there was a 900 car. Oh, how far, how much further back we would have been? We'd have never made the outback. Can you imagine how grumpy I'd be if, I, if we didn't do that? Listen, it wouldn't just be you. I know you, you'd, you'd be I, insufferable. I oh, I'd be terrible you'd to be, be around. Imagine how grouchy you'd be on the way back. Can you imagine how grouchy I'd be right now? <laughs> Forget on the way back. <laughs> With all, with everybody listening, I, I'd be in a terrible mood. Yeah, you'd be in a Even mood. though the music was fantastic I'll give you coming that. in. You did a nice job. You did a nice job. Listen, I, there are very few things in this world that I do right. One of them, and, and I think you'll attest to it, it is music. I'll give, I'll give that to you. I'll give you that victory. <laughs> begrudgingly. <laughs> speaking, Begrudging. speaking of begrudgingly, I think we have to acknowledge... Uh, just how good the New York Yankees yeah, New York have Yan- been. This is like how you were acknowledging that the Islanders were playing well. Yes, yes. But, last time we were on. But I can take, when you say the word begrudgingly, I can take it and I can move it into something else here. Yeah. You are, that, that's what you do best, is taking any word that anybody says yeah. and, and switching it to a new topic. Yep. Uh, the New York Yankees have just been absolutely They've been good. white hot. They've been very good. Uh, two, uh, Two trades at the deadline uh, to really kind of transform those lineups. Uh, Although Rizzo now on co- the COVID list, right? R- Rizzo's got COVID. They activated Luke Voigt. Yeah. Uh, they have like they, 20 first basemen on that team. They brought in Joey Gallo. Yeah, like how many? <laughs> so many, like just. But one of the things that and outfielder. Type. One of the things that those two did for this lineup, uh, like Andy said in the uh, yeah. eight o'clock hours, that it gives them a look from the left side of the plate. Yes, which, which is, is plays so well in Yankee Stadium. Of course, of course. And yeah, they, they, you know, they, look, they have a very powerful, tough lineup to get through now, and they're playing well. So they, I mean, kudos to them because they were. When we were here last time, they were dead as a doornail. And they got these teams to pick up the salaries on these guys. Like, I mean, they very much would have been in play to sell players off. So they switched gears and tried to kind of retool while not like selling off the farm necessarily. So they kind of, you know, they, 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 they modified the team a little bit. And hey, and Boston again, much like the, the Mets came back down to earth, Phillies went on a tear. Boston is coming back down to earth. The Yankees are catching up to them. Rays are still what are they five and a half up? On the I believe Yankees? it's five and, five and a half, and a half right now. Five, uh, six. We're a bit, little more than a week out on the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, from the early returns here, it looks like the Yankees have had a very they successful a trade deadline. Andy, Andrew Haney was a good pickup. They've all been good pickups. Yeah. They've all found a way to contribute. Yeah. Uh, no, Joey Gallo well. hasn't hit well for average, but he's found himself on he base. He hit a Yankee Stadium home run the yes. other night. Yes, well, that's like three ten. Like sand wedge shot, but that, no, no, I think I actually thought thought Gallo especially was a good pickup for them. That was that was a great pickup. Uh, yeah. Anthony Rizzo helps transform the, the infield for them. Yeah, uh, they no, had a, playing well. They had a very successful trade deadline, and we could very well 
uh, be sitting here next week with them firmly in a wild card spot. They're definitely oh, they're definitely trending towards the wild card at a minimum, and who knows? I mean, maybe Tampa. Tampa's a weird, you know. I mean, they they traded off some like they they made a lot of trades. Well, they have, they have to make the payroll. Yeah, work over so there. Tampa could come back down to earth too. I thought Boston was was in better shape than they were, but no, the Yankees. We'll, we'll give credit. I mean, I, I it's, since we were here last time, the Yankees have really turned things around. Hate to dra- do no, but in a dramatic way. And the Mets have gone the other way. So begrudgingly, I, yeah, we're gonna. I could be honest. Here. I could be honest. I could be honest. Begrudgingly, I could begrudgingly honest. Um, looking at the clock, yeah, Maddie, we'll and it up. is. Is it Just not? about that time. Wow, this flew. It did. I want to. Uh, I want to thank Zach Rosenblatt. Great job, uh, as well. always. Yep. a great job. And uh, where are we? We're back here again next. Yeah, week? next Sunday night, nine o'clock after uh, Bill. Who uh, who allowed us to come back two weeks two in a weeks row? Two weeks in a row, we'll, we'll be back. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, check us out at WGBB Sports Talk at Pete and Faz as well. Thanks to my man Brian Graves on the other side of the glass for taking care of us tonight. And thank everybody for listening in. This is WGBB Sports Talk New York on 1240 AM. Good night. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.